Welcome back, fellow podcasters. It's Freedom Friday, and time for another episode of Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I think I'd like to take this uh, opportunity this week to uh, do a little history lesson, if we can, please. I mean, after all, this is uh, Black History Month, and uh, if you're like me, I happen to be on Sling Television, it seems like every break between shows, we get inundated with black freedom fighters or those that are pushing social justice agendas, victims of crime, all sorts of that. And some of those names everyone's heard of, Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, we'll occasionally see, say, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, Shirley Chisholm, the list goes on and on. Obviously, Colin Kaepernick, George Floyd. You've seen them, I've seen them, we've all seen them. And they're all coming out of the woodwork on this particular month. But this particular podcast, I'd like to try to point out that I believe that even under Black History Month, the left is creating a narrative. And the narrative, maybe going back to the 1919 project, has to do with how blacks have suffered as U.S. citizens, or I should say living in the United States, ever since the year 1919. And you would think that it was so totally unfair that there was no chance of any greatness to come out of any of that. After all, it was just suppressed people who were owned as slaves, and then even when they were freed, they were leaving predetermined, subservient lives. And that continues to this day. Now, what this podcast is not is trying to take anything away from the suffering that the black community has had to withstand. And I'm not going to go back to 1919. I'm going to start since the beginning of the United States, because after all, we're U.S. citizens, And one of the reasons why the United States was formed was to try to make a more perfect union. And as that goes, we all believe, in the same ways we used to, that all men, in parentheses, which includes women, parentheses, are created equal and should be treated equally. And being treated equally should also mean have the same opportunities that everyone else can share in in our wonderful country here. But I'd like to take the remainder of this time to go through some names that I don't imagine very many of you have ever heard of. And the reason you haven't heard of these people is because they don't fit the black narrative, which is popular now. And my whole contention of this would be, why wouldn't you want to bring some of these people to the forefront? Why do we always have to bring up the the George Floyds uh, out there when there's so many examples within the black community of success? People that have taken advantage of the opportunities we have in this country, even through hardship, and done good for themselves. 
And yet, we never hear about them. We never do. And this is going to be a perfect example. Because I'm going to go through, I'm going to name a couple of these people that I've come up with. There's many, many examples. And I'll give you a kind of a hint as to what they were and how much they made. And I'm going to start off the first one with a man named James Fortin. Now, James Fortin lived in the 1830s, and he was an inventor, making sail-making devices. Boats were popular back then. And in the 1830s, now keep in mind, keep in mind 1865 was the Civil War with slavery and all. He was worth, in today's money, about $2.5 million. Ever heard of him? Next we have Stephen Smith. Stephen Smith also was growing up in the 1820s as an indentured servant up in Pennsylvania. Mr. Smith was able to buy his freedom at age 21 for $50. And by the 1850s, Mr. Smith owned a lumberyard with annual sales at that time of $100,000 a year. When he died, he was worth about $13.5 million in today's money. They weren't all men. You had Annie Malone. She was one of America's first African-American businesswomen who founded Puro College. She was a cosmetologist. In fact, she invented this solution, which was able to straighten out black people's hair. And her college taught black people about cosmetology. In 1920, Annie Malone was worth about $167 million by today's standards. How about Frederick Patterson and Charles Richard Patterson, his brother? Ever heard of them? Of course not. But they were the first African Americans to manufacture cars. Mm -hmm. That's right. They had a car that came out in direct competition when Henry Ford was putting out the Model T. They later formed the Greenfield Bus Body Company. And I'm sure you've never heard of Charles Spaulding, Aaron Moore, or John Merrick. But those three, in the late 1800s, actually 1898, co-founded the North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company, which is, and still continues to be, the oldest and largest African-American life insurance company in the United States. Approximate value, $162 million. But we hear about the slavery issue and how, how suppressed everyone was. And I'm not going to sit here and say that they weren't. They were. But you still had opportunity, and not all of the United States was involved in slavery. You had the North and the South. Take Samuel Wilcox as an example, 1850. And Mr. Wilcox, he was a grocer, all right? And he only sold premium quality things. And, he's, and he sold to the upper crust of society. He also was generating annual sales of $100,000 to $140,000 per year. And I know you've never heard of Amanda Dixon, but Amanda America Dixon, America was her middle name, she was born into slavery in 1849. Her father, 
a white Georgia plantation owner, and her mother, a slave, whom he had raped and consequently gave birth to Amanda. But she was a lucky daughter of a slave because she, she learned to read and write. She also learned to play the piano. And I'm sure she enjoyed special privileges because she was a biracial product. So much so that in 1885, when her white Georgia plantation owner father passed away, she was actually given 17,000 acres of land. She later left that plantation of 17,000 acres and moved into Augusta, Georgia, where she went to college, married Charles Eubanks, her husband, and when she passed away in 1893, she was one of the wealthiest African-American women in the 19th century. And then we have Bridget Mason, also known as Biddy. Biddy Mason was a black female slave who, with the help of her white son-in-law, was able to gain her freedom. And Biddy Mason had three children, all of which were fathered by her slave master, a gentleman by the name of Robert Smith. Now, because the slave master was converted to Mormonism, he moved out to Utah. And when he did, all the slaves, which included Biddy, followed with them on foot. But it wasn't until the 1850s that Biddy was able to get her freedom, mainly because the slave master had been talked into continuing his voyage out to California, and California had entered the Union as a free state. Once the move to California took place, Biddy Mason became a free person, where she worked as a nurse in Los Angeles, saved enough money to buy some land, making her one of the first black women to own land in Los Angeles. And she bought more and more land, commercial as well as individual. And as Los Angeles grew as a city, so did her wealth. In fact, in the 1870s, she financed Los Angeles' first black church. By the late 1800s and by the time that she passed away, she had a fortune at that time of over $300,000, which would have been worth over $10 million in today's money. Now, again, I'm not going to go back and say that the road to black suppression didn't take place and that there weren't many, many atrocities and horrible disadvantages. What I am saying is that I don't think the black community spends enough time talking about the good that comes that has come through, how the how these insurmountable odds have been overcome time and time again with a lot of people throughout history. And they should be proud of that. And they should be that should be examples going to the, the young black community today saying, hey, with the proper hard work and, and, and perseverance, maybe you too can enjoy in the American dream, instead of instead of contemplating on on freedom marches and what what the government may owe you and penalties for what we've had to go through for the last couple of 240 years, similar to what was happening with the statues that were being toppled the other uh, year or so ago, we should never forget the history of our nation, and not all of it was good. 
But what we have to remember is that in this particular country, we have tried to take the good as well as the bad and try to make the changes necessary so that we can keep moving towards the time that maybe we all can be equal and be treated equal. And that color will no longer be a barrier, nor religion or cultural background. But it doesn't come, you can't regulate that. You can't, you can't pass a law which makes that work. You can't pay somebody money to, to make it all good all of a sudden. That's going to take work between us and scrubbing history uh, so that as if it didn't ever exist is not really the way to look back and, and learn from these things. But we do know that in spite of adversity, you can still be successful within our country. And I hope that some of the names that we brought up prove that. I want to thank you for letting me go down memory lane with some history this year. I am Jeff Rye, an American conservative. I'll be back next week with more to talk about. In the meantime, keep us, U.S., the United States, in mind. Thank you.